Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. Uh, the website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including uh, well, visits with Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And as we have for the last decade or more on Monday mornings, we're going to be talking about current global events. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He's the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books, his latest uh uh, no Problem is the name of the book. Great read, by the way. It is April the 17th, and uh, a decade ago, uh, 19, uh, well, I should say, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's April the 17th on its day in 1961, the Bay of Pigs invasion began when the CIA-financed and trained group of ref- Cuban refugees landed in Cuba and attempted to topple the communist government of Fidel Castro. The attack was a complete failure. Fidel Castro had uh, been a concern to the U.S. policymakers since he seized power in Cuba with the revolution in January 1959. His attack on the U.S. companies and interest in Cuba, his inflammatory anti-American rhetoric, and Cuba's movement towards a closer relationship with the Soviet Union led United States officials to conclude that the Cuban leader was a threat to U.S. interests in the Western Hemisphere. In March 1960, President Dwight Eisenhower ordered the CIA to train and arm a force of Cuban exiles for an armed attack on Cuba. And by the way, the training for these exiles was on Yusepa Island, just west of Fort Myers. Small little island. They'll only use golf carts there. John F. Kennedy inherited the program when he became president in 1961, though many of his military advisors indicated that an amphibious assault on Cuba by a group of lightly armed exiles had little chance of success Kennedy gave the go-ahead for the attack. On April 17, 1961, around 1,200 exiles armed with American weapons and using American landing craft waded ashore at the Bay of Pigs in Cuba. The hope was that the exile uh, force would serve as a rallying point for the Cuban citizenry who would rise up and overthrow Castro's government. The plan immediately fell apart. The landing force met unexpectedly rapid counterattacks from Cubans or Castro's military. The tiny Cuban Air Force Air Force tank almost uh, most of the exile supply ships. The United States refrained from providing necessary air support, and the expected uprising never happened. <clears throat> Over 100 of the attackers were killed, and more than 1,100 were captured. The failure of the Bay of Pigs cost the United States dearly. Castro used the attack by the Yankee imperialists to solidify his power in Cuba, and he requested additional Soviet military aid. Eventually, the aid included missiles, and the construction of the missile bases in Cuba sparked the Missile Cuban Crisis of October 1962. Scary time. When the United States and the Soviet Union nearly came to blows over the issue. Further, throughout much of the Latin America, the United States was pilloried for its use of armed forces in trying to unseat Castro, a man who was considered a hero to many of us for his stance against the United States' interference and imperialism. Kennedy tried to redeem himself by publicly accepting blame for the attack and its subsequent failure, but the botched mission left the young president looking vulnerable and indecisive. Bad pigs on this day, 1961. Well, what I was referring to earlier is a brother's... Uh, Sarnarov, on April the 15th, 2013, planted and detonated two homemade pressure cooker bombs that detonated near the 26.2-mile race, race's finish line. We're talking about the Boston Marathon. Domestic terror attack killed three spectators and injured hundreds of people. The tragedy has been remembered during the race weekend in Boston in events and stories, including several told by survivors, witnesses, and first responders. <clears throat> Here's one guy. I was 200 feet away from the bombs when they went off, said Ed Jacobs of Brookline, who had worked the race for 52 years. 
My wife was sitting in the bleachers across the street, and you know, that's something you just don't forget. So memorable to us as well. We actually lived about a decade earlier uh, in uh, just near the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Scary stuff. And now uh, the, one of the brothers was killed by the other uh, uh, be, when they were fugitives. Yeah, he ran over him, but uh, the, the other brother is waiting for his death sentence. Uh, he's uh, uh, going to be uh, uh, killed for what he did at the Boston Marathon. <clears throat> well, a former Obama administration staffer is blowing the whistle on the Biden family's business dealings, accusing President Biden of being involved in a kickback scheme in connection with his son Hunter's overseas business dealings while he was vice president. Mike McCormick, a stenographer for the White House for 15 years, told Fox & Friends First the FBI had been ignoring his alarms on the matter despite his willingness to testify under oath before a federal grand jury investigating Hunter. In February, I went to the FBI and filed one of their tips on the website. If you, don't, if you do that and you're lying to them, you go to jail. I'm not lying and I'm telling the truth and I'm not going to jail, he said. McCormick said Thursday, uh, Joe Biden is a criminal. He was conducting malfeasance in office to enrich his family. Jake Sullivan is a conspirator in that. And there's more. Obama officials involved in it, I believe. McCormick argued that the information he had incriminates Biden and likely more officials he worked with in connection with the alleged influence peddling scandal. Now, this is just amazing to me because there's so much that the FBI has right now, and they just ignore the information. This is a whistleblower, and he says, I have proof, and they're ignoring it. They're ignoring the uh, laptop. Uh, they simply are ignoring anything that's going to implicate the president in any kind of scandals right now. Well, in the first, uh, the first indication of just how desperate Democrats are for a 2024 presidential nominee not named Joe Biden, a new election survey found that the majority support Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s plan to get in the race on Patriot Day. It doesn't say they're going to vote for him. It says they want him to get into the race. Kennedy's uh, candidacy is supported by 52% of Democrats, just 32% are opposed, and 16% just aren't sure, according to the latest Rasmussen reports. Uh, I think uh, Kennedy Jr. is a good candidate, and if we had to have a Democrat president, I think he would be one with integrity <clears throat> and certainly would do something about the vaccines. Hey, by the way, he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's simply against vaccines that create harm like the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. I think uh, as things develop here, this could be, become very interesting. Well, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is set to propose next week a one-year debt limit extension tied to spending concessions from President Biden and the Democrats. According to a source familiar with the ongoing negotiations, concessions extracted in exchange for a debt limit increase would yield approximately $4 trillion in savings for taxpayers over a 10-year period. That's a lot of tamales. The spending reforms sought by the House GOP include recovering unspent COVID stimulus funds, that's a no-brainer, capping domestic spending at uh, two, 2022 levels and only allowing it to grow 1% over the next 10 years, as well as enforcing a work requirement for recipients of Medicaid who are under 60 years of age and do not have children. Now, usually a work uh, requirement means that they're at least looking for work, even if they don't have a job. Very reasonable. In February, House Republicans proposed many of these spending reforms, including halting federal spending on Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, as well as Democrat climate-related spending, such as billions on electric vehicles for the U.S. Postal Service. It's unclear whether these proposals will be part of the debt limit spent, uh, plan McCarthy is set to roll out next week. Biden, uh, Senate Majority uh, Leader Chuck Schumer and House Democrat Leader Hakeem Jeffries have been pushing for a clean debt limit increase without any strings attached. McCarthy has been met with Biden at the White House to discuss the debt ceiling, but no agreement has been reached. Biden is blaming the uh, House Republicans for the lack of agreement on raising the debt ceiling. <clears throat> of course he is. It's all politics to him. MAGA Republicans in Congress are putting our economy in jeopardy by threatening to refuse to pay America's bills, Biden tweeted on Monday. Bills that took 200 years to accumulate, that would mean for the first time America would default on its debt. Not on my watch, he said. Tough guy. 
Well, the statutory de uh, debt limit has been reached, and the U.S. Uh, Treasury Department is currently taking extraordinary measures as Congress as the White House hash out an agreement. The statutory deadline for Congress to adopt an annual agreement is April the 15th. The last time Congress met uh, that deadline was 2004, according to a congressional research service. <clears throat> McCarthy's office was not available for comment before the press time. <clears throat> a little bit more on McCarthy. House Speaker McCarthy uh, will on Monday deliver an address, that's today, about the state of the economy at the New York Stock Exchange. <coughs> Excuse me, please. The speech will come ahead perhaps on the same day as the California Republican announces his debt limit proposal to President Biden. McCarthy has vowed that he won't pass legislation to raise county the country's borrowing authority unless it's coupled with a clawback in federal spending. Very, very uh, reasonable. He will propose something that this week, a one-year debt limit extension tied to spending concessions from Biden and the Democrats' sources. Uh, Biden has dem uh, demanded a so-called clean bill, which is not loaded with qualifiers, exceptions, and other demands. Also, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the uh, speaker, has a rocky start towards uh, leading the House chamber, dramatic televised wrangling on the House floor with some of the most conservative members of the House Republican Conference to get votes to a, he needed to become the leader. You recall that. Well, the Republican House has, under McCarthy so far, passed dozens of bills, many of them bipartisan, including efforts tar uh, targeting crime and the COVID-19 pandemic that essentially forced President Biden to sign the bills into law. Under McCarthy, a California Republican, the House GOP conference has opened the Capitol more fully to visitors. He's performed better than I thought he would, said Andy Biggs. He's a Republican from Arizona in the House, the past chairman of the Freedom Caucus, in an interview. I just can't complain, he said. That's very good news. Happy Andy's happy, and I think that's an indication of how conservatives are feeling right now. Uh, kind of nice to see that Kevin McCarthy is performing. Two appeals uh, court judges dismissed the notion of a scandal surrounding Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas after left-wing outlet ProPublica published an article in which experts argued that Justice Thomas violated disclosure obligations by neglecting to report his luxury gifts he received from billionaire friend Harlan Crow. Judge Thomas Hardiman of the United States Courts of Appeals for the Third Circuit said there, are no, there was no animation at any time ever that the billionaire friend he had had any business before the Supreme Court. So how could he be helping a friend, referring to uh, Thomas helping uh, Crow? Judge uh, James Ho of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit said there is a difference between an actual instance of corruption and the mere, mere perception. So all very good news. And finally, for this segment, the $18.8 million uh, for Trump, his combined total for his joint uh, fundraising committee and his campaign. Campaigns were required by Saturday report first quarter financial activity. A headline for the vaulted Inside the Beltway publica publication Politico described the indictment as having turbocharged the fundraising. The Trump campaign said it has brought in $15.4 million alone in the two weeks after the charges were filed against the former president, appearing to show how much his supporters, including at least some who believe the indictment was politically motivated, were eager to support him. Nearly a quarter, one quarter, 25% of those who contributed to the Trump campaign during the two-week period early this month had never given to him before. Isn't that interesting? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of uh, HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Hi. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you may not be aware that health insurance plans here in the United States many times don't cover international travel and you want to make sure you can travel with confidence for very little money you can insure yourself while you're traveling abroad the website is internationalhealthplans.com coming up we're going to be visiting with larry reed president emeritus of the foundation for economic education right now we have with us mark shulman he's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website it's called historycentral.com mark thank you so much for joining us always a pleasure bob thank you mark so for the last decade plus, 14, 15 years, we've been talking about current global events on Monday morning. Uh, and you're in Tel Aviv. I thought it might be interesting to find out uh, how things are going there. Right. So things have quieted down after, well, after a week of, it looked like we were heading towards a war for the moment. Uh, things have quieted down. And part of it, of course, is the Passover holiday has ended. Israel's entering at a period uh, tonight is the official Holocaust Memorial Day, and then next week is the Independence Day. Uh, so things have quieted on that level. And the other side, the demonstrations have continued, um, although there are more and more indications that the government is going to back down from their attempted judicial overhaul, let's call it that. Um, it's not clear yet, it's not final, but uh, the price seems way too high. Uh, Moody's just downgraded the outlook for Israel as a result of it, and I think... Um, Prime Minister Netanyahu has realized that uh, it was a bridge too far, let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's just very good news to me. I personally think, uh, again, I'm not an Israeli citizen, so I don't totally understand the issues there, but I do believe uh, it demonstrates power to the people, and that's just fantastic, Mark. No, absolutely. It was was clearly the most, if if it succeeds in the end, obviously we only know know, when it calls it off, but probably the most successful rallies and certainly in Israel's history and maybe in anyone's history in the sense of changing a, a, a direction. It wasn't a revolution, it wasn't overthrowing the government, but it was changing the direction of a government because so many people came out consistently. It wasn't yeah. like one rally. It's every single week, week after week after week, and it does show people have power if they want to exercise it, even between elections. Do you think and there's any uh, any uh, parallel between uh, what's happened in Israel as well as uh, uh, in France? 
There's a parallel, um, but of course it's much more it's much more limited on some level, right? Now, there's a French thing most Americans and most people in the rest of the world are sort of laughing at on some level, right? Yeah. Words, the French are so upset about raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. <laughs> yeah. It's so and, French, you know, isn't it? America, it's at 67, and we're talking about possibly raising it to 70. Yeah. So it's like, what are they rioting about, 62 to 64? What are we talking about here? Um, but the French... Oh, the French, what can I tell you? Yeah. They, uh, they like their vacations, they like their leisure time. Uh, there's a whole, it's a whole different um, milieu, let's put it that way. It's a different lifestyle. Um, you you got to, on one hand, um, respect it, I guess. I don't know what to think about it. Well, they, I mean, I think it's it's almost part of the culture that if something happens, uh, they they tend to riot in the streets. Or, right, or protest. so. Yeah, so very, very much so. So, okay, um, they but they but they didn't work. You know, they're going ahead with it. Yeah, despite uh, despite what they said, and despite the demonstrations, and the court in, in France has approved it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just logical, obviously. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, generally speaking, uh, leaving aside the fact that in America the life expectancy has gone down in the last two years, but that's somewhat COVID, somewhat and mostly related to to drug overdose and a little bit gun violence. So, but leaving that aside, generally speaking, people just are living so much longer, and we have to think that way. We have to think in a different way about all these sort of things. And that's difficult sometimes. Absolutely. So, some uh, violence has erupted in Sudan. Any any thoughts or comments? Yeah, I mean, there Sudan is one of these typical stories of a country that hasn't gotten its act together. All these. All these years, and what you basically have is two parts of the military fighting against each other for control. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad. I mean, it's sad that they're killing each other. It's not over ideology. It's not because one's communist and one's capitalist or one's, uh, I don't know, religious and one's not religious or anything to normally divide. It's literally two generals fighting over control. And that's terrible. People are dying because of that. Yeah, my understanding is it was an attempt at democracy in Sudan. The two generals that pulled off a coup against the government, and now they've coexisted for a while, but now <laughs> they want to get rid of each other and have full power. Yep, very much. Very, very much. Very, very, like I said, it's very sad when things like this happen. Absolutely. It shows how tenuous power can be, and, and uh, we need to preserve uh, our democracy, it's always... Democracies are very important. And it's very... It's, it's, you know, the principles of democracy is what's most important, is the is the concept of an independent judiciary, the concept of uh, respecting the rights of minorities, the concept um, that peaceful transfer of power, all these things are so important to maintain a democracy. And, um, you know, American democracy isn't hasn't been doing as well as it has in the past in the last couple of years either, so that's a whole other story. Indeed it is. Also, individual liberty, so critical. So, uh, Mark, we need to take just a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. So uh, I guess uh, I'd like to just introduce this segment when we can talk about Russia and Russia, China and Ukraine with uh, the papers that were stolen by this 21 uh, uh, old National Guards. I guess he was a airman. Air National Guardsman. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's uh, first of all, just indicating a lot of information we didn't know that we should know. And I'm talking about Americans, but also demonstrating uh, some of the things we're hearing, like Russia and uh, the Ukraine, that Ukraine is winning, it's not necessarily so. Okay, so there are a whole bunch of things. Let's let's start with the, the, the first level of insanity, is that someone like this kid was has had access to top secret documents. Right. And this is insane. I mean, this kid is a young kid living at home with his mother, involved in who knows what, and he. Um, he had access to the most, you know, top secret documents that exist, which is totally insane. Let's, right. Let's let's start there. Something needs to be. Something needs to change in a very, very serious way in the whole issue of access to documents in this electronic age. Right. So that's step one. Step two. We also know that the people who spread the information beyond putting it on the server was a was someone a front working for Russia. Huh. So Dunbass, I forgot her name. The Wall Street Journal has a whole article about her. She was a um, also a retired Air Force person. Uh, not um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, uh, someone who was was in the Air Force, not an officer, non commissioned officer. Excuse me, that's what I was looking for. Uh-huh. And she um, been working this blog, which is a very pro Russian blog, out of Washington uh, State. Uh, she goes under a different name and her not her her real name, and she's the one who publicized a lot of this. And from what we still understand, a lot of the stuff um, was falsified. So there's truth and there's false, and it's all mixed together, uh-huh. which makes things more much more difficult to fully understand. Well, and there's one other um, issue too. I, I think the uh, that uh, so many documents are classified that shouldn't be classified. I would suggest. Hundreds of thousands of them. <laughs> so, uh, right. I mean, those are the whole thing. In other words, when in doubt, classify. Right. It's you know, it's the old thing going back a generation. No one got fired for buying from IBM. Right. So it's the same sort of thing. No one, no one ever got lost their job because they overclassified something. Yeah. So, so that's the other part of it. Um, as to you know, again, it's very hard to really understand you know between the, what, what was there and what and what the overall situation is, because the situation doesn't really give a, an actual assessment of the war. What it does is it brings up a number of points of great concern. Right. So, yes, it's of great concern that the, that the Ukrainians are going to run out of anti-aircraft missiles on May, whatever date they gave in, in the report, but that's assuming they don't get anything else to replace it with. Right. And so as a result of that memo, which was about three months old, <clears throat> Uh, you know, the United States and Sweden and Spain and uh, most of uh, the European Union are, are busy sending anti-aircraft missiles to, to, to Ukraine. So, you know, it, it's like when you have a warning document 
and then action is taken, well, maybe, you know, did everyone need to hear about this? I don't know. I mean, the Russians don't really need to know this, so why should the American people know about something like mm-hmm. like that on that level? I mean, the American people know that the United States <clears throat> is sending lots of arms, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, and what's also happened in the last uh, few days now is many of the Eastern Europe, former Eastern European allies of um, of uh, Ukraine, former, you know, former states of the Soviet Union or, you know, occupied by the Soviet Union have all been sending whatever's left of their air forces from the Soviet era to Ukraine. So Slovakia, for instance, I believe today gave 18 MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. And um, one of the other countries is giving the the jets that used to be part of the East German uh, Air Force to Ukraine. And while these are not as capable as the, you know, U.S., Aircraft, on the other hand, the Ukrainian pilots know how to fly them. Mm-hmm. That's a plus. So, <laughs> yes, a definite, definite plus. Definite plus. It takes time. It takes like six to, six months or so to get a pilot combat ready in a new aircraft. On the other hand, are you concerned at all that uh, these reports indicate that uh, the that uh, the success that Ukraine is touting uh, it just doesn't exist right now? I don't know. If that's true. I mean, what 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 in the, what in the reports actually says that? Well, that, that's, I don't. That's a good question. I don't. I, of course, I haven't uh, gone through the. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, there have been some <coughs> there have been some ridiculous uh, comments from some of the media, and more of the type that you consume. I'm afraid that that sort of have summarized it in a very you know problematic way. Let's put it that way. The, the major issues, the major things that were brought up in these reports, were specifically the the, the fact that the Ukrainians. Will run out of armaments. Will run out of uh, weapons. Those sort of things um, in May and June, unless something is done. Yeah. And uh, things are being done. So I don't think, in that sense, it was so problematic. It was a little bit problematic in identifying some units, and supposedly the Ukrainians have had to mix up some of their plans for their counteroffensive because this information has come out. The probably the biggest problem with this report um, is the fact that it shows that the U.S. has someone. High level, uh, high level human source in the Kremlin, hmm. and you know that that sort of thing is the most problematic thing in reports like this when they come out. It's not the actual intelligence; it's where we got it from. Well, the other thing is boots on the ground in Russia, U.S. boots on the ground in in uh, I'm sorry, Ukraine. Ukraine. Uh, you know, again, uh, <clears throat> let me put it this way: they're not boots on the ground fighting. My best guess is that what we're talking about is sending. Uh, some U.S. soldiers to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you know, only a soldier can really assess what's going on in the battlefield. Yep. You can't send your ambassador or whatever it might be, even the CIA officer, really to get a military sense of what's going on. So I'm sure units of whether, whatever special forces have been sent, not to fight the Russians, but to, you know, get up into the battlefield and get a real sense of what's going on, which is important. Of course, you got the so, mercenaries too from Black Rock and other countries that companies that uh, are hired by U.S. services to do things that uh, where it doesn't necessarily implicate that the U.S. is in there. Right, right, absolutely. So, but you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm I don't favor it in any which way. But I mean, let's not be you know a little bit sticky here. It's not like it's this is not a fake war between two proxies. Yeah, it's Russia fighting Ukraine, who is our proxy. Yeah, it's not you know some proxy of Russia fighting. So uh, it seems that uh, Russia and China have gotten a little bit more cozy recently. Any thoughts? Yeah, the the, the Chinese defense minister is currently in Moscow for a four-day visit. I mean, the concern is what are they going to decide together? Big unknown again. Once again, what is China's what is China's end game here? And are they willing to get into a further confrontation with the United States over their support with Russia? I don't know. Um, I don't think so in the end. Mm-hmm. They, the Chinese don't want Russia to lose, but they don't necessarily want Russia to win. And, you know, as we've known in the world, it's very hard to get just, you know, just the result you want. So uh, any <clears throat> thoughts on uh, Taiwan and, uh, you know, this, the uh, exercises that they're running around uh, Taiwan? Yeah, they're trying to intimidate. There's no question about it. They really are trying to intimidate and. I think one of the one of the reports amongst these reports was that the uh, Chinese air force would be successful in any sort of attack against the Taiwanese. Well, maybe, but I'm quite sure 
that every intelligence assessment before the war of Ukraine said the Russians would be able to knock out the Ukrainian Air Force in a matter of hours and have complete air superiority, and we're a year in and they don't have air superiority. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not willing to accept some of these reports and some of these intelligence analysis at, at face value. Finally, so we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, so Mark, uh, finally, uh, if uh, you could comment on, it seems that there we, we have more and more countries turning towards China in terms of uh, their support, their primary support. Uh, we see doors closing in terms of relationships with the United States, or at least uh, weakening the relationships. Any thoughts on that? Well, look, I mean, it's a question of weakening, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at it both ways. We probably have a closer relationship today with the Philippines, obviously with South Korea and Japan, mm -hmm. with New Zealand and Australia and uh, Vietnam and Cambodia. All those countries that um, border China in one way or another, we probably have a closer relationship today than we've ever had before. Mm. Um, so yes, the Chinese are involved in Africa in different places, and they're involved in other places, and they're trying to use their economic power to gain political influence. No question about it. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to the, those countries that have to deal with China, I mean, the relations have never been... We, we've reopened bases now in, Phil, in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Think about it for a second. Remember the, this whole thing, I, you know, 20 years ago to remove the American bases from the Philippines? Yeah. And by, and by the way, the what way. are all the military exercises about in the Philippines right now? Again, it's, it's once again integrating the Philippine military with the U.S. military in an attempt to block China if necessary. Mm. They are our, our ally. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right. They're not a Chinese ally, and they have a dispute with China over, over mineral rights in the South China Sea where both countries are claiming it. So interesting. So, you know, yes, the stories are, you know, Chinese on the march and having more relations in Africa and places like that. But, again, let's look, you know, literally at that back door. We are closer to all of those countries today than we've been in decades. Reassuring. Or forever. So. Mark, Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages. I hope you check it out. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank My you pleasure. So Have a great week, Bob, and you, all your listeners. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Yesterday we saw Barefoot in the Park. It was, I should say, Saturday. It was absolutely terrific. And coming up is Morning After Grace. That's running from April the 27th to May 14th. I hope you'll check it out and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us... Uh, Larry Reed, he is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure. Larry, tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Our purpose is to educate young people and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, (laughs) private property, small government, and personal character. And we do that through our website, which is fee.org with daily fresh commentary and video and many other resources there, and also through programs uh, on-site at colleges and schools all over the country and sometimes abroad. Uh, the FEE, or Foundation for Economic Education, has a terrific impact on young people, high school and college age. I hope you'll check it out if you have somebody in your life that age. So, Larry, uh, you wrote a, people, a piece on Edric, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Edgar Guest. Not easy for me to say. Edgar Guest, a poet, a United States poet. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, uh, Edgar Guest was known as the People's Poet in his day. He was born in 1881, actually in Birmingham, England, uh, moved at a young age to the United States, to the state of Michigan in particular, and fell in love with the country and never left. And he lived until the age of 77 uh, when he died in 1959. But hundreds of newspapers all over the country uh, published his poems on a regular basis, uh, about 11,000 poems uh, in total. And uh, he was very much loved and very well known. I certainly remember uh, going back in my youth to the uh, name of Edgar Guest and his poetry. And, uh, you know, he took, he didn't take for granted what we tend to take for granted, which is our individual liberty. He was really uh, a patriotic in terms of uh, his pride and, uh, oh, and the United States of America. Yes, indeed. He, he became uh, a transplant to America and an instant patriot, you might say. He just loved what the country stood for, and much of his poetry reveals that. And, uh, that's a big source of his popularity over the years, especially during wartime, when people uh, would read things that, that he wrote that uh, supported the, the troops and the spirit of victory. Larry, he had one particular poem that you highlighted in your piece. That it's it's uh, called, let me see, what is it called here? The Time for Deeds. Uh, the Time for Deeds, yes. Uh, and uh, you highlight and mention that it's more important today than it was perhaps at the time that people were reading it back in the 50s or 60s. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, uh, this poem is uh, some 80 years old now, but it seems more current than ever. Uh, the Time for Deeds, and it goes like this. We have boasted our courage in times of ease, our star-spangled banner we've flung on the breeze. We've taught men to cheer for its beauty and worth, and have called it the flag of the bravest on earth. Now the dark days are here. We must stand to the test. O God, let us prove that we are true to our best. We have drunk to our flag, and we've talked of the right. We have challenged oppression to show us its might. We have strutted for years through the world as a race that for God and for country earth's tyrants would face. Now the gauge is flung down, hate is loosed in the world. O God, shall our flag in dishonor be furled? We have said we are brave, we have preached of the truth, we have walked in the conceit of the strength of our youth, we have mocked at the ramparts and guns of the foe, as though we believed we could laugh them all low. Now oppression has struck, we are challenged to fight. O God, let us prove we can stand for the right. If in honor and glory our flag is to wave, if we are to keep this the land of the brave, if more than fine words are to fashion our creeds, now must our hands and our hearts turn to deeds. We are challenged by tyrants our strength to reveal. O God, let us prove 
that our courage is real. Oh, thank you for that, Larry. It's a really a, a real testament to, to his patriotism. But right now, I think it just highlights the importance of our patriotism and yes. uh, to, to live a life that can be uh, supportive of our individual liberties and our Constitution. That's right. And uh, his poetry is still in print, or at least copies are still available in various places. Edgar Guest, G-U-E-S-T, was his name. Larry, so, and again, I'll just point out that the Foundation for Economic Education, I encourage our listeners to visit the website, fee.org, fee.org. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank uh, you. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, on Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., Lulabee's Diner, one of our great advertisers, great breakfasts and lunches, has started serving dinner Saturday, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., as they've got the regular lunch menu and a, a dinner menu that includes comfort food is like a meatloaf, but also some great seafood items. I had the grouper the other night. It is fantastic. Chef Richie, by the way, is a, a talented chef who... Uh, works, I believe it's at Bay House, if I'm not mistaken. So knows how to knows how to cook, knows how to prepare gourmet food, and it is really outstanding. And of course, if you want a want a nice casual dinner, it's a great place to go. Lillaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. That's at the corner of Immokalee and Airport, pulling on the I guess it would be the north, <clears throat> excuse me, south uh, uh, west corner of uh, of. Uh, Immokalee, an airport pulling tr- Green Tree Shopping Center in uh, in Naples. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's retired now up in Pennsylvania, and he's uh, writing novels. He's written some great ones. Uh, the first is uh, Follow the Leader. It's sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and uh, his latest is uh, No Problem. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get the politics and no policy, and they prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in state and federal legislatures. You can visit, find out more, visit the website, thefga.com. 
fga.org, the fga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. As I mentioned before the break, he's now an author of some terrific murder mysteries. His latest is called No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's great, Bob. It's a busy news day. You know, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, is on Wall Street trying to sell his uh, gamesmanship with the uh, debt ceiling. Yeah. Which I think it's I think it's crazy because, uh, you know, right now Joe Biden owns the economy. So here's a chance for Biden to just let the Republicans do their thing. And suddenly the Republicans own the uh, recession. So it's really stupid when the Republicans have a great Hmm. issue that was exposed by Kid Rock, a rock star, which (laughs) with whom I only have a vague familiarity. But he's the guy who took a machine gun to a case of Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Anheuser-Busch used a, uh, a transvestite named Dylan Mulvaney to promote their, their product in an attempt to be so woke. And this is a huge issue. Because I've done some preliminary research, and your, your listeners can follow up on this. Uh, but there are something like uh, something like 30 percent or more of the U.S. population drinks light beer. Huh. So so that's 99 million people, if my math is correct. Uh, this Dylan Mulvaney is a TikTok star that has 10 million TikTok followers mm-hmm. globally. So uh, the 99 million uh, light beer drinkers and and suddenly, there's a spontaneous boycott of Bud Light and other Anheuser-Busch products. It's, it, it just su- suggests that these beer drinkers, who, if you look at the demographics, they're uh, primarily uh, 40 years old and younger. It's the millennials and Generation X yeah. are, are really revolted by this uh, transsexual activism, which I think is just a uh, charade for, for the Democratic Party's attack on uh, Christianity and, and Western civilization. And, and, and the millennials and Generation X get it. So we've had probably the most successful boycott of a product in history. It yeah. cost uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, millions. And Anheuser-Busch we all should have seen it coming because uh, when the gay community went after Hobby Lobby for asserting, you know, the owners asserting their uh, Christian beliefs, when the uh, the gay community went after Chick-fil-A for the same thing, the, the businesses of those two enterprises actually increased. The boycott <laughs> had the opposite effect, utter failure. So the handwriting was on the wall. And for the people at Bud Light to, to, to go ahead with this was just insane. And let me add to the story, the narrative. This is a little part that I know of. Apparently, this is a newly hired marketing manager, probably just a recent uh, graduate of Harvard. I think it was Harvard. Any event, uh, she decided that we were, were t- uh, shouldn't. Uh, continue to support the frat houses and the the, the type of uh, uh, immature behavior with Anheuser Busch could be related to. She decided to change the image by having this promotion. And apparently, the chief executive, a guy named Brandon Whitworth, he's a CEO, wasn't even aware of it. He came out with a statement. He said, "Now this is this is so weak. We never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We are in a business of bringing people together over a beer." That's his comment about this. No comment about whether he's going to get rid of the campaign or whatever. But it's really turned people off. And for example, I drink uh, uh, when I drink beer at the at my club. I drink uh, something called Shock Top, and uh, I stopped drinking it now because of this. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, my wife and I drink a lot of O'Doul's, which is an Anheuser-Busch non-alcoholic <clears throat> beer, which is tasty. You know, we're not buying it yeah. anymore because, you know, I'm one of those people who, you know, I don't care if, if a guy wants to dress up like a woman and prance around in a dress, uh, but don't tell me that you are a woman 
uh, don't condemn me because I say it's a man baby. Yeah. I'm quoting Austin Power movie here. You know, it's common sense, but what we're seeing is an attack on Western values that are thousands of years old. Yeah. Uh, the left is trying to normalize every type of aberrant behavior, including criminal behavior. And it's an attack on uh, Judeo-Christian perceptions of what is sin and what is virtue. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just so obnoxious. And by the way, uh, this still and Mulvaney character, who does have a huge following on Facebook, uh, has interviewed Joe Biden on some kind of a TikTok television station that he has. <laughs> uh, so Biden is complicit in this whole movement as we know. It's a perfect issue for the Republicans and for them to confound it with another stupid run at the debt ceiling. Uh, well, just, uh, let, let boggles me, my mind. Uh, I'd like to just uh, mention the the part of this narrative that you you uh, mentioned. Anheuser Busch is a very popular brand. It's you know you, when you think about Anheuser Busch, you think about the Clydesdales. You think about uh, Christmas time and the Clydesdales walking through the going through the country. So you know it's it's really a wonderful brand and very positive. And now. Just with this one act, they've certainly diminished the impact of the brand substantially to the point where it's going to take a long while, I think, to recover. And it's not exactly, I think they've lost five or six billion dollars in market cap because of this, because the stock is down so much. You know, they're not going to be able to make that up. People just don't automatically drink twice as much beer <laughs> in the second half of the year in order to, uh, to uh, th that would be what would be necessary to bring the, the brand back. Yeah, but what I mean, what it indicates though is the level of public anger. You know, the the silent majority. This has echoes of 1996 and Newt Gingrich's contract with America. I always postu postulated that the contract with America did not win that election for the Republicans. There was another movement. It was called political correctness. It's a, a, an early forerunner of the woke movement. And the public, the silent majority, was so turned off by the attempts of the left to silence it, uh -huh. you know, to accuse it of being politically incorrect, that it, there was a record turnout at the election and the Republicans swept Congress. Uh, that's what's happening again. So this should be the issue. You know, a social issue will determine the outcome of the next election, hmm. uh, not that level. Because let's remember, you know, President Trump was not a fiscal conservative. He spent like crazy. He's partially responsible for the inflation we've had. So, so we've had – he was a big spender. Biden is a big spender. For Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans to suddenly discover or pretend that they're heirs to Ronald Reagan, uh, it just won't work. It, yeah, it, uh, I, I'd like to comment on your uh, your uh, premise about the uh, McCarthy st uh, strategy and going to Wall Street and and also uh, attempting to negotiate with uh, with Biden. In my opinion, I mean, first of all, it has to be done. But it, the, the problem is getting a narrative that wins out of the Republican Party. They seem to be on their heels all the time when it comes to these types of issues. Uh, yeah, because they're, you know, they're not speaking this straight. Neither party speaks straight to the American public. Um, you know, it's, I consider myself a conservative, but we have a guns and butter economy right now. We have to build up defense. Uh, I think we have to raise taxes here and cut spending. So I'm in favor of huge cuts in entitlement spending. We also have to raise taxes because the bill is coming due. The country is in a precarious position. China really is surpassing us uh, militarily, and, and we got to pull it together. Well, uh, you just, and it's just, going to be painful. Just mentioning the uh, Laffer curve, I'm all for raising taxes if, in fact, it increases revenue. Many times, raising taxes cuts revenue well true i mean that's where the spending cuts come in but you know my i've been arguing the fed alone cannot stop inflation there's a fiscal side of this coin and yeah. and, and the federal government has to pull together for the sake of the united states of america and 
and and it's not happening. All right. Uh, and you're and the, it's too complex for the public to understand on a bumper sticker. Uh, but uh, Dylan Mulvaney is not too complex. <laughs> I would he, say he symbolizes all the all the rot that the Democrats are trying to shove down our throats, including that guy is a woman because he says he's a woman. Yeah, it's so interesting. Jim McDagan, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Check out his novels. They're really terrific. I've read them all. His latest, no problem. Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show as well. I hope you'll tune in. I uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.